Fear stops us from achieving our true greatness. Are you a professional woman who is feeling stuck, unmotivated, or burned out? Are you worried about your wellness? Are you letting fear stop you from crushing your goals? If you answered yes to any or all of these, then this is the podcast for you. Dr. Charmaine Gregory, night shift emergency physician, burnout thriver, and wellness champion, along with everyday heroes just like you, will explore how to face fear in our lives and emerge victoriously. Dr. Gregory here. Did you know that I'm on YouTube as well? You can find me at Charmaine Gregory MD. See you there. There. Hello, 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 Fearless Freedom Tribe. This is Dr. G. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another exciting week of the Fearless Freedom with Dr. G podcast. Today we have Whitney Caceres, and she is going to tell us all about what she is up to and who she is. Take it away, Whitney. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's my absolute pleasure to be here. I am a private practice pediatrician in Portland, Oregon, and I am an author of two books with the American Academy of Pediatrics, The New Baby Blueprint, which is all about taking care of yourself and your baby in that first month of life, which is super critical for setting us up for success. And then my newest book with the AAP, which is called The Working Mom Blueprint, Winning at Parenting Without Losing Yourself. And I'm also a mom to two young girls and my journey with those girls, in addition to being a pediatrician, is what really informs all of my work and what brought me to be an author and a speaker and to want to really help moms get to that place of thriving, not just surviving on their motherhood journeys and, and to put themselves first. Because I know that when moms put themselves first, that all ships rise and that they are able then to do so much more for everyone and everything else when they have that full, full cup. Oh my gosh. That's so true. There's so many things there. There's so many things there. Um, yeah. Uh, I can totally identify with the mom doc, uh, scenario. And, uh, I can also identify with the whole thing of like self-care, uh, had mine like really rapid succession. And cause I was getting old, I thought, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I gotta hurry up and have these kids. And so, um, yeah, no, that's, that's really important because I remember definitely there not really being any kind of instruction manual or anything to kind of guide the journey. So I appreciate you for having the inspiration from your kiddos to, um, to actually create that because that is something that is much needed. So, so these books are both available through AAP. They're available through the AAP or just everywhere books are sold. So on Amazon, they're available. They're available in bookstores. They're available to the general marketplace. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Because I think that's something that uh, is really valuable. And um, so basically rem remind the tribe again, what the titles are so that they can search these on Amazon and, you know, get one for a friend kind of deal. Um, mm -hmm. Because uh, that's super important uh, to have this kind of resource on board, particularly uh, when you are a new first time mom. 
Sure. Or a second time so mom, the first or third time mom. Yeah, of course. <laughs> An eighth time mom, right? Um, the first one is called the new baby blueprint, caring for you and your little one. And the second okay. one is called the working mom blueprint, winning at parenting without losing yourself. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah, no, thank you for the work because uh, I tell you, it's um, like I was saying before, much needed. And you know, it's funny because we, uh, we tend to have a very interesting point of view as physician moms, because like, we tend to think like, okay, we were able to accomplish things. We were able to kind of um, navigate some pretty uh, dusky waters with the, whole, the med school thing. And, you know, we always feel like, Work. A lot of us are, I guess, type A, I don't know. Uh, so a lot of us are like this and, you know, we really feel like we're always have to overachieve in every single thing that we do. And so when it comes to parenting, it's like parenting is kind of like, um, I don't want to say Pandora's box. Maybe I'll say it is an abyss, right? So it's like this uh, abyss and there isn't really like, there is some stuff that's known because you have kind of like anecdotal experiences right your own experiences of what parenting is like from your parents and then you have maybe what you see kind of the surface things that you see in society because really most of the times you see things people aren't telling you the truth like they aren't telling you like really what happens they don't tell you that you know the kids are like screaming in the background well mine are asleep now that's why you don't hear them but like in general you know they don't tell you that you know they're like they're asleep, they're at loggerheads often, particularly if they're close in age and nobody tells you all that stuff, right? So mm -hmm. it is just so different. It's not something that is um, structured and planned like med school is or residency is even, uh, or even your practice, because I mean, there are things that you know you're gonna see. Well, in my case, I never know what I wanna see, but you know, in general, you, you have some expectation of what you could see then. And once you have that thing presented to you, you can go through some steps. If you've never encountered it, you can go through some steps that will help you to overcome that particular situation. But in parenting, that's really not, available <laughs> because every child is different. Every like, um, every personality related to your child is different. And the way that they perceive um, direction, the way that they perceive discipline uh, can be quite different. And the way that they learn things can be different. So it is just, uh, like I said, an abyss. And so it's hard <laughs> to have control over that. And as a person, who is used to having control, it's very difficult. So for all you type A moms out there, I think you probably need to get this book. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> the word you used control, that really is it, right? As most of us who went into medicine, most of us who are type A people, you know, you went into it because you like that feeling of control. You like that feeling of things being algorithmic. Maybe it's not that there's nothing that you haven't encountered before, but you know exactly what to do in that situation because you've done the training or you've seen something similar or you've been trained um, almost in a militaristic type of way in medical school and in residency. When this happens, you do this. When this happens, you do this. If you don't know the answer, this is what you do. You know, and so you feel like you have an algorithm that you follow. And then if you come to the end of your algorithm, there's another specialist that you go to, another place mm -hmm. that you send these people. And in my motherhood experience, I thought that it would be the same way. And 
when I had my first daughter, she was a kid who just didn't follow the book exactly. You know, I was the expert, like I read all the parenting (laughs) books. I had, I had, um, you know, done all the training. I told other people like, of course, sleep training. What's the big deal? Just like, Mm, get it together. You know, like Mm -hmm. I I looked on them with judgment before I had kids because I thought you're just not working hard enough. If you just put in more effort, Uh it would work out for you. It's your fault, basically, that your kid is not falling in line. And then my. my kid just never fell in line. Mm. And she still is not 100% in line. And I could do my absolute best for her every single day. And I, I do try to do my best. I could provor- provide as many supports as possible for her and for me and for my other daughter and for my husband all day, every day. And there still will be moments that I cannot control her behavior her reactions, what happens, um, and that I have to let some things go. And um, and that is scary. We're here to talk about fear. That's scary. When I am at my when I have been at my deepest, darkest times with my daughter, it really has been fear that has brought me there because it has been about this worry that she'll grow up to be a juvenile delinquent. Mm. It's about this worry (laughs) that other people will see me as a parent and think that I'm a horrible parent and say, you know, like, why should we listen to you anymore? Because clearly you're doing it wrong. Um, It's about fear that I'll mess up my other kid based off the things we're trying to do with the one who needs the most help and that we can't do kind of like by the book things every single time. And so Fear really drove me for such a long time and continues to be an enemy for me, you know, fear and worry and shame. And the more that I have decided, the fear never serves me. There are moments that I have to just accept the fact that I have fear and accept the emotion that comes with it. But usually I have to get down a little deeper to why why am I so afraid? Mm-hmm. what's the yeah. thing that I that, what what's the thing is it that it like it reflects bad on me is it, that it reflects bad on my family like you know like what's the core issue and when I'm able to do that and accept those feelings that I have and kind of like emotion coach myself like I would a toddler you know like it's okay to have that feeling it's like, real I have this, um, <laughs> it's just... yeah and have this and have this understanding that my situation is not um necessarily like it's it's worse than some other people's but some people sure they have it harder you know it's easier than some people's but sure other people have it easier you know that my struggles with my kiddo and with my family that we've gone through um they're just as valid as other people's they're just different than other people's and but that there's a world of other moms out there who are experiencing those exact same emotions having those same fears working through those same types of problems that is where I found relief and release and a path forward to actually making it um manageable and to making it so that we have beautiful moments of peace and satisfaction and wholeness in our family, even amid some of the waves that still come crashing down for us. Mm. That's beautifully put because I'm telling you, like, uh, as you're saying that, I'm like, wow. Yep. Mm, can relate to that. Can relate to that because it's just so, 
it is so unpredictable, so unpredictable. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, you have your child, you know, and I call them cherubs, you have your cherub and you, you're at the hospital. Like I remember we were, I mean, at the time when we had our first one, yeah, I'm, I'm older now. So, but, but I was older then, I guess. Um, and the, um, you know, we're at the hospital and my husband and I are like, you know, we're happy and everything. We're like, oh, this is so awesome. And then, uh, you know, the little guy, you know, he's not so little now. He's like five, eight now, but he was back then he was like, you know, seven pounds or something. And, you know, he's in there and he's wearing like the, the, the baggy diaper thing. And he's like all, you know, shriveled up because he just came out and, you know, and he, we're looking at him and we're like, all right, okay, now, okay, okay, now what? Are they gonna tell us what to do, right? And so then, <laughs> then you're like, okay, you're still, you're still good. You're like, okay, I, I still have support. You know, I'm still at hospital, and uh, they they help you out. They you know they come by, and they, the lactation person comes by and says, hey, let me let me help you out with this. And you know, you have all these people coming in and and offering support. And then it's the day that you're leaving. Uh, so the next day, right? Because we we didn't have to stay for long with this child. Um, and so then we, we ended up uh, getting ready to go and we put him in the car seat. And, you know, of course the car seat is like ginormous because it's the one that goes from like zero to four years old or something. Um, but then you have the thing that you put in there to make it fit them because they're so tiny. So we get them all packed up in this thing. And, you know, they're like, okay, we'll check your car seat. They come by to check the car seat. We're like, all right, yay, the final check. Like, you know, make sure we're safe because we don't want anything to happen to our little guy before we get home, et cetera, et cetera. And then like, as we're walking out of the hospital and, you know, we're walking towards the car and we're still kind of happy, but then that overwhelming feeling of trepidation just overwhelms us. And we're like, oh, there's not going to be anybody at home to help us. Like We're on our own. Like, this is it. And mm-hmm. no, I mean, I, I, I am with you because I remember reading all the books and everything. And I remember um, getting ready, thinking, you know, we're going to do all this stuff to kind of get him situated because, you know, I still work nights in the emergency department at this time. And I'm still like, you know, I have to get this kid like in shape. Well, not I, but like we had to get this kid in shape so that when I go back to work in 12 weeks or whatever it was, mm-hmm. you know, he would not be like killing dad. Right. Like he wouldn't be doing all these things yeah. to like because that has to go to daytime work, you know, so he can't really be, you know, up all night. And I mean, it was just something else. So we went home, we were like, dear, eyes wide open, kind of bug eyed, like, all right, we have this human now. And like, we have this human for like the rest of this human's life. What do we do? Like, what if we break him? Mm -hmm. Like, what, what, like, what are we going to do here? And so, you know, I tell I tell people when they ask me like, so what's motherhood like? I'm like, look, I'm just going to let you know that no matter what you read, no matter what you see on Instagram or whatever, your kid is probably going to break all the rules. So it is literally, you just come to the, come to grips with the fact that number one, you have zero control. You have to just do the very best that you can do. And the next thing is you're not going to break them. No matter what you think, you're not going to break them and um, they're going to be just fine. And so nobody ever told me that. Nobody told me that. And nobody mm-hmm. told me 
that the first three months were actually gonna be like H-E double hockey sticks. Nobody told me that. Yeah. Nobody yeah, told me the first three months would be horrible. And I mean, not horrible in the sense of like, you're happy that, that your baby is here, but it's like you get no sleep. And if your kid is not a kid, and for this, for this kid, like it took him, it took him a little bit of time to to start gaining weight. So there was that worry. Oh my God, I'm a horrible mom. My kid's not gaining weight. My milk is not coming in enough. So now I got to give my kid formula. I failed as a mom, like all these ridiculous things. Right. Mm -hmm. And so nobody tells you that that stuff is totally normal. Like some kids, you know, your milk will come right in. They'll be amazing feeders and other kids, they need a little bit of a boost until things happen. You know, and some kids gain weight right away. Other kids, it takes them maybe like a week. You're not killing them. There's nothing wrong. I mean, if there are some some situations where, you know, it has to be checked out to make sure, sure. it's not like uh, pyloric stenosis or something like that. But, you know, like there is like, in general, they're going to be okay. But nobody yeah. tells you that, right? And so you, yeah, you yeah, go yeah. in, you go into this thing totally blindsided and you feel, you go through all the emotions of like, rejection, um, disappointment, you know, inadequacy, you go through all of these things because in the public eye, what you see is these moms who are like giving birth and then they, they are like, like pop the baby out and they have like flat stomachs again. Like you're already feeling like, yeah. you know, you're already feeling like, you know, some kind of way about the pregnancy, you know, you just, you just got off your endorphin high of nine months, you know, now like there's no more like flowing, long flowing hair or beautifully glowing skin. And now you're like up with no sleep and baby is, uh, you know, needing all your attention and, you know, you don't even have time to brush your teeth. I take a shower. You know, if you do, then it's a great day. Like, and then this goes on for the three months and baby does nothing to respond to you. Like there is no smile. There's yeah. no nothing, but you know, it's really weird how nature works though, because just when you feel like you're at your breaking point, which I, I really believe is each one of my children was right about three months. That's why I said the first three months are rough, right? So if you go into it realizing that it's not as bad, but I had no clue. So the first time it was really bad. The second and third time I was like, okay, I know to expect this, but it's just when you start to feel like I just can't do this anymore. He, the, you know, the baby turns around and the baby's like flashing you the most amazing gummy wide smile and it just makes you just go oh my god I love you I want to have more <laughs> so it's just it's amazing how nature works like that it's like it's almost like a self-preservation thing you know it's like oh, I'm gonna I push mom and dad to the brink and then I'm just gonna pull them right back off the precipice by flashing my beautiful smile so I just, I just think we don't talk about that. And I feel like we do moms a disservice. We do parents a disservice because the dads are very involved as well. I mean, so it's like, we do, we do dad, we do parents a disservice by not telling them that it, it's rough in the beginning, but it gets better. It gets better. And you're, you're doing a great job. Yeah. Don't, you know, don't feel as though you're not, you know, because yeah, they just need some validation, I think. So I, I just want to say I'm I'm really well, and I'm also I, I, very happy that you wrote the book because I think it's it's helpful. It's helpful to have validation, you know, particularly from a professional. So you now thank you for doing that. Hey, it's Dr. G. And I just wanted to take a quick moment 
to thank you for listening to this episode. I'm so honored to have you here with me. Did you know that I can help you to get your own podcast started? With my podcasting launch course for professionals, I walk you through everything you need to know about starting a podcast. I'm with you every step of the way from sign up to launching your show with five episodes ready to go. There's a done for you version that's also available. If you would just rather just do recordings and leave the behind the scenes work up to us, then that one is definitely for you. But either way, we've got your back here at Fearless Freedom with Dr. G. Oh, if you already have a show and you need production services, we have monthly plans available for you. So check out the links in the episode show notes for more information. Let's get back to the show. And I think, you know, it's, it's funny, right? Like if someone had told me before I had my first child, it's going to be hard. I go, maybe for you, <laughs> probably oh, really? not for me, you know? <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of people feel that way. Like when I meet with them, because I do prenatal visits with, with moms and dads in my office. And I, you know, when I was earlier on in my career, I used to spend a lot of time saying, I just want to let you know it's going to be rough and like your life's going to change or whatever. Kind of like this like doom and gloom. And like, I'm sorry to break it to you, but it's going to be difficult. And like, they look at me with these faces like, okay, like, A, what am I supposed to do with that? And like, B, I don't think you're right. I mean, really their, their face looked like I don't think you're right. And so I started, gotcha. yeah. And so I, I think absolutely it's valid, but I almost feel like you can't really know it until you go through it. And so what I started to do and what I did in the book is to think about, okay, what are some practical things instead that I could say to parents, like you right now have a relationship that's like lovey-dovey with your partner and you guys like do your own thing and equally share the laundry and the dishes and the like, you know, um, bill pay and all that. But guess what happens when a baby comes along? The statistics show the mom is the one that takes on all the work, statistically, not every family, statistically, the dad is less likely to, there's a whole bunch of reasons for that, but in the end, it ends up that we have a lot of families where there is, you know, divorce and separation that happens after that first year of life as a result of kind of communication missteps of kind of not having planning and resentment that develops and all those things. So I know you don't want that. So here are five or six things you could do that could potentially prevent you from having this outcome that you don't even know is potentially something that's going to happen, right? Or, you know, a lot of moms end up with anxiety or postpartum depression or with, um, you know, this, this really like inner confliction about how am I supposed to navigate all the different things that I have to juggle in life, right? And I know you don't want that because I know you want to kill it for the working moms at your job still. And you want to kill it with your kids. You want to be having a connection and loving them and not wishing that they would like go play with something else while you're getting things done, right? So, okay, let me give you like five or six tips about that. So that way, again, you can kind of head off this very real problem that most moms have, but that you don't see because you've never been down this road before like I have and that I didn't see. And, um, you know, the piece about the the partners, probably the, the most important advice that I give people is about 
developing a system of communication that includes compassionate assertiveness. So this like understanding what the other partner, where they're coming from, but then also showing up for yourself in your language. And there's a lot of great resources around there, around that. Um, dividing up the tasks and responsibilities you have in your house according to a business model. Like what would you do if you were on a business team with this person? You would not go, I'm sure both of us will handle it. You would very, very specifically- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, say, okay, this is on your list. This is on my list. These things we don't care about at all. So it's on nobody's list. But one person has to be the owner of each task and responsibility. Um, and then we talk about this idea of like having meetings, regular times where you come together, where you talk about what's working well and what's not working well. So then you can figure it out again, like a business, right? In a very non-sexy way that allows you to have some equity within your house. And then in terms of the career and the personal life things and really deciding how you're going to manage all of the balls that you have to juggle, deciding, and this is from Denise Hamilton, one of my favorite people who um, is the founder and CEO of Watch Her Work. She talks about this idea of some of the balls that you juggle are rubber, right? Laundry, your dishes, camp signups, um, you know, uh, your nails and your hair, right? Those are like rubber balls that you juggle all the time. And then some of the balls that you juggle in your life are glass, like your children's well-being, like your mental health, like your career aspirations if you're a working mom and you really care about something. And so you have to learn what are the balls that I actually need to juggle and what do I need to let fall away or pass to somebody else so that way they can be the one that juggles this ball that really means like very very little to me but until moms are able to do that and decide I am the only one who can decide which balls are glass in my life and which balls are rubber and if I let someone else decide that for me oh my gosh when I'm 80 and looking back at my life I'm gonna be so disappointed like I like to imagine myself at my retirement party, right? Like hopefully I'll be like, I don't know, 70 when I'm retiring from like this work that I love to do. I don't want to like work full time like I do now, but I want to keep on contributing to society until then, right? And, and beyond. Like, what do I want people to say at that at, during that speech? What will they say about how I spent my time, about the person that I was, about the, the areas that I invested my energy into? I sure as heck, hope that they do not say that I kept a clean house every single day. Like, I don't want to live in squalor, but I do not hope that that is one thing that they mentioned because what a misstep, right? Mm. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. how superfluous is that? And so um, those are really the main areas that I focus on for moms when they're starting out and, and partners when they're starting out, because before you have kids, all the rubber balls, it doesn't really matter because you got all the time in the world for all those rubber balls. So once you become a parent, you absolutely do not. Oh my gosh, so much truth. <laughs> it's like truth bomb after truth bomb after truth bomb. I really love the analogy of the glass versus rubber balls though. I think that's a very, um, that is very telling of what, uh, what really is important. <laughs> And what we think is important mm -hmm. before we have children. <laughs> so it's always a little, little funny. And it's, it's, it, I love that you mentioned that, you know, your, you know, the, the things that you do change because like, for example, I mean, for us, like 
you know, we were two professionals, um, you know, we, we had means, you know, and so we were like traveling everywhere and doing all the stuff and, you know, we'd, we'd go out to eat and, you know, or we'd make meals in and, you know, we'd have friends over, like, mm -hmm. it was very much the um, carefree lifestyle, right? And then mm -hmm. we had the little guy. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, wait, how are we going to fit him into our life? <laughs> this is crazy. You know, it, it took some adapting to, you know, change things around. Like we definitely did. I mean, we continued to travel and we just did it with more stuff with us. And like we would travel with baby yarn mm -hmm. and we traveled with the travel crib and, you know, all the stuff that we needed in order for us to travel. But, you know, it was just like, it takes, it takes a little bit of, um, adjustment and it does take some uh forethought so i love that mm -hmm. you you have them go through that exercise because i think it is it is indeed very valuable i mean it's 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 always really easy to say oh it's gonna be tough because it is it's tough but it mm -hmm. is it is mm -hmm. very is very useful to say it is tough, but here is a framework that you can utilize to help you to overcome the difficulty. And so thank you for right. putting that together and, and having that available through your book and through your sessions, because I feel like that's really, really, really important. And that's really what, you know, young parents need, right? Or old parents or whoever, mm -hmm. however, I don't want to say old, yeah. but you know, all parents. I, yeah. <laughs> I kind of felt like all parents, there you go. Cause I, I, I kind of felt, I, I, we always joke about the fact that when I started having children, I was not an advanced maternal age person, but then by the time I got to my last one, I was, and I would always be mm -hmm. like saying something about that to my OB. Cause it was, he was a, a friend of mine. And I would just be like joking, like stop putting that AJ thing on my, um, <laughs> on my chart or AMA or whatever it is, um, on my chart, because I'm not old, you know, I'm just, I just got started a little bit later than everybody else. Cause I was in school and residency and all the stuff. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, that's, um, that's really awesome that what you're putting forward and the framework is such that it is something that they can utilize, um, no matter what the situation is. Right. So they're, they're going to come into parenting with a game plan, which is a lot, there's a lot to be said about that. Cause most of the time people don't go in with a game plan. I know we sure didn't, you know, we thought we had one, but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> then my son, like my, my husband did a really great job going to daddy boot camp. So the hospital where we, where we lived had a really awesome program for moms and for dads. I actually think the, the dad one was better than the mom one. I don't know why, but, um, my, my dad, my, uh, husband had come out with some skills that I didn't seem to have at the end of it. And, um, you know, he learned how to swaddle and all these things. And so, you know, he was ready. He was like, I have my, he had a little, two, my sister-in-law made a little two belt for him that had like, the, oh, cute. Um, had like the desitin and all the stuff like on the tool belt, kind of like his, like his, uh, his uh, successful belt for changing the kid. Right. And so mm -hmm. he was like all set, all ready to go. And so, you know, our son, when we brought him home, like all the kids, when he brought them home, they went right into the crib. So like they slept in their own room. 
Um, and so basically mm -hmm. <laughs> we put the guy, the little guy down, we had him all swaddled tight because you know, my husband had learned a skill and he was like, really was practicing on all of the teddy bears in the house. And he was like, ready, you know, so he swaddled my son up like really, really tightly and put him in the, put him in the crib. And we're like, oh, okay, we're good. Like we got this right. All excited. Mm -hmm. And so we're listening to the baby monitor. And then we kind of hear like rustling noises and we're like, what in the world? So we just go in there and we're kind of quietly watching watching the guy, you know, we're at the door and that little guy is like, he's like shimmying himself and people can't see, but like he's shimmying, you know, and shimmying. And I mean, he does this for a good, like several minutes and he is like shimmying and shimmying and shimmying and shimmying. And then he finally like breaks an arm loose. Like, and he like, he's like victorious <laughs> and he's like, pow, you know, I have an arm loose. And then he, he gets the other arm loose and then he winds up and starts crying. We were just like, what mm -hmm. in the world? We did all that training to make sure we could swaddle this guy so he could have a very joyous fourth trimester. And he comes home day one and he gets out of a swaddle. What are we going to do now? <laughs> How dare him? Yeah, this is, this is not right. This guy needs to like stick to the rule book here, you know, because, you know, we're going to have mm -hmm. a tough road to hoe if he keeps doing this. So, you know, it's just, uh, parenting is fun. I mean, the unpredictability of it, the challenges that you face during it, um, everything really comes down to, um, a fun situation and, you know, it's just really incredible to watch them grow and become, you know, human beings that are going to be contributing to society. It's, uh, and, 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 and when, yeah. so when you said that you were worried about your, your kid and, um, you know, you just didn't want to, like your job was to make sure that, uh, she didn't become a juvenile delinquent. It's like, this is like, this is like every parent's like, like, bonus up around day, right? So because because you're just like, oh my gosh, totally. you're not listening to me. You know, this kid is not disciplined. Yeah. Like I wasn't like that when I was a kid, right? And I just don't yep. want my kid to be like, I don't want anybody to show up at the doorstep, you know, people in um officers uniforms showing up at the doorstep talking to my is this your kid, ma'am? You know, like yep. we're gonna take them down <laughs> to the station, you know. So we really don't want that for our children. We want our children to, you know, be be good citizens and to, you know, contribute to society in a positive way. And so, you know, when they do things that we, we think are not really, um, conducive to that particular path, it makes us really nervous and really fearful. I know for us, for sure. And, um, you know, so it's, it's just funny that that feeling that you had is, is a very universal feeling. You know, because we, we really do believe that our job is to make sure that our children end up with a good outcome, right? And have the best chance for success um, in our world. And so that was just funny when you said that. I was like, oh my God, we totally feel the same way. Yeah, well, and you know, what I've learned over time is that um, it's a long game. Yes. Like, yes, I don't want my kids to be like swearing at me and, you know, like threatening to kill me or something right now. But beyond that, like, where they're going to be when they're 35, it's not where they are right now. So a lot of it is about teaching them lagging skills. It's about um, moving them along incrementally. It's about long-term goals for resilience, as opposed to short-term goals for immediate responsiveness to exactly what I'm asking them to do. It's about teaching them those bigger skills like problem solving and creativity and um, kindness to their peers and figuring it out when they have a bad 
outcome with a friend on the playground, right? As opposed to fixing it for them right now or making it so that they appease everyone right now so that there's peace every single moment for them in their lives or that I fill their lives with activities right now and like stimulation. Um, so a lot of it, of it is about that, is about keeping perspective of, as parents, our job is to really to provide opportunities to nurture those positive instincts that we all have as human beings to have compassion and altruism and to be hardworking. Um, and then to, when we see these instincts that are also normal parts of being a human of, um, you know, being selfish and of like, you know, looking out for number one and um, potentially not working as hard, those types of things that we're, that we're teaching our kids, that we're coaching them, as opposed to approaching it from a place of shame, or you listen to me right now and being um, super authoritarian, because we know that 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 doesn't work in the long run. They're really it's about <laughs> usually gets the <laughs> yeah, it's not as effective. It's about, yeah, it's about being firm but loving. You know, providing boundaries but doing it in a way that meets them at their level, and then incrementally moving them kind of up the up the ladder in terms of their skill level over time. No, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, and and you know what? It's like uh, it. A lot of what we do as parents too is like we have to just be cognizant of what our uh, experience was, right? Because a lot of times we model what we do based on that. And so you just have to kind of do almost like a, I don't want to say risk assessment, but you have to do like a, some analysis of your childhood and just make sure mm -hmm. that think about how you felt when you were disciplined or how you were disciplined and think about, mm -hmm. and of course, talk about this with your partner about how you want to move forward with your own children, right? Because just like how you're kind of doing it, um, I won't say trial and error. I guess it's kind of trial and error. Like it is trial and error for you. It was also trial and error for your parents. Mm -hmm. And so the way that they responded may not always have been in a positive way. And so you just want to be careful that you don't perpetuate something that is highly negative right so I mean I don't know everybody's childhood is different yeah. um and just so just be cognizant of that um but yeah no it's <laughs> it's 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 such a cool thing it really is like I never would have imagined that I would be responsible for three human beings well-being you know, like I never would have imagined that because I never wanted to have any children. Right. So it was just kind of like, oh, I don't want to have any kids. So it's like not a big deal. And then my husband's like, I want four. And I'm like, oh, there's a disconnect. And then we had three. Yep. So, <laughs> so, and, 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 and absolutely no regrets. Absolutely zero regrets. I mean, they're they're amazing. I mean, now they're like, like I said, my son is 12 and he's five, eight You're, you know, he's five, eight. And my my daughter's 11. She's, um, she's actually my height. So she's five, seven. Um, and then the nine-year-old is getting pretty close too. So, I mean, uh, and, and they're, they're pretty amazing people, you know, they've developed into some amazing people. And like you said, it is a long game though. I mean, we are constantly working through things. We're constantly approaching things. We're constantly trying to facilitate their ability to problem solve so that they can indeed, you know, function in society and they won't be thwarted by like a mishap or a disappointment or a failure that they will, that they understand that that's part of life. And like the people who are both successful, guess what? They fail all the time. But what do they do? They look at every failure as an opportunity for learning, for growth and, you know, figuring a way to, 
make it better for the next time. So, you know, those are the skills that, you know, we, we feel we're having to focus on. Okay. Um, so, all right. So let's, let's, let's wrap it up at this point. Um, we've had a really good conversation. Uh, so at this point in the show, we will talk about, um, the three fill in the blanks. Are you ready, Dr. C for the fill? I'm ready. Let's do it. I'm ready. Awesome. All right. So um, if I am fearless, I will. I will take chances. I will decide that even if I don't, I can't a hundred percent predict the outcome. I will still take chances that move me toward my goals, my passions, my dreams. Awesome. 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 And then the next one is to me, fearless freedom means. It means that I make choices that are first and foremost about what serves me, what serves my end goals, that serves the people that I love and care for the most, as opposed to serving other people's outside opinions or their biases against me or their lack of boundaries. It means that I put myself first and that I recognize that that is not selfish, that in fact, that is the most selfless thing that I can do because in the end, it will allow me to serve other people to my fullest potential. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. And then the last but not least, my battle cry is. My battle cry is I am enough. My battle cry is I don't have to perform to have value. I don't have to be constantly executing to have value. I don't have to please everybody to have value. I am enough on my own, in myself, being just me, not being somebody else. And the more I can be to myself and the best inner positive coach that I can be to myself and to have a cycle of positive, mindful self-compassion, the better I will be for my own wellness and for my contribution to the world. Awesome. And then one more time, just let the Fearless Freedom Tribe know how they can get in contact with you and the titles of the two books. Yeah. So you can find me at modernmommyduck.com. We hang out on Instagram all the time at modernmommyduck. And you can find us there daily. We're there all the time. And then the books are called The New Baby Blueprint and The Working Mom Blueprint. You can find them wherever books are sold, online, in bookstores, at a library, from a friend. Check them out um, because our goal is really to provide those tactical, practical solutions in a framework that gives you the perspective to have a sustainable way of living that gives you the freedom to focus on the things that matter most to you and to put everything else at the very, very edges of your life. Awesome. That is amazing. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to spend time with us here at Fearless Freedom. We appreciate you and we appreciate all of the amazing work that you're currently doing and that you will do in the future because I'm pretty sure you're going to come up with more stuff. So thanks, thanks, thanks. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me.